Hello and welcome to the Blue Economy Podcast, presented by Rhode Island, the Ocean State. I'm your host, David Hirschman, and today's episode of the podcast features an interview with Dr. Yi Chow, the founder and CEO of SeaTrek. Based in California, SeaTrek is focused on developing a wide range of energy harvesting technologies to power underwater robots, platforms, sensors, and other equipment being used to support ocean research. So let's dive right into it. So welcome to the podcast, Yi. Thank you. Um, so, you know, just to start, maybe uh, tell me a little bit about your background. You know, I guess, what, what were you doing before SeaTrek and how did you get involved with ocean energy? Yeah, I'm trained at oceanographer. I got my PhD from Princeton. Uh, got my first job working in NASA Jet Propulsion Labs, uh, study ocean using computer models, study ocean from space. And then I run into this energy problem for underwater robotic almost by accident. So spent uh, five years at uh, NASA Jet for JPL to develop the technology, to file the patent, have the prototype. And four years ago, I'm ready to commercialize the technology. So I left NASA, set C-Track as a startup company, spin off from Caltech. Wow. Well, so maybe explain a little bit for our audience about what SeaTrek is and how the technology works. Yeah, SeaTrek is uh, making an energy harvesting system. We harvest energy from ocean temperature difference uh, in the ocean. Ocean is warm at surface, cold at depth, so we convert that into electricity. Uh, we are, use those power to uh, power underwater unmanned systems, sensors, and vehicles. So how, how does that convert into electricity? I mean, just the, the various temperatures, is it because of movement caused by the, kind of caused within the water or? Most of these underwater systems, they dive up and down, they swim up and down. So they experience the temperature difference. That's a free unlimited energy. We use phase change materials to take that thermal heat into our device and they expand in the volume and then spin the turbine, generate electricity. You can provide energy for sensors, for communication, swimming, diving. Uh, the goal is to support 100% operation so they can stay in the water uh, indefinitely. Okay, interesting. And are, is it mostly, for, well, I, I guess, who are some of your main customers? And I guess, how do you, how do you think about like, the use cases for it? Yeah, our early customers are research and then some of the defense customers. Uh, we just we are seed state company. We just closed our seed round financing. We raised $2 million uh, last month. Uh, that's where it helped us to expand our use case from research to commercial applications. So how do you, I guess, how do you think about that expansion? I, I saw on your site it says that uh, the tech could possibly be used in oceanic robots or ocean energy stations and polar environmental research. Can you tell me a little bit about how those applications could work? There are, there are a number of uh, potential space commercial applications uh, ranging from offshore aquaculture. We can help them to collect data autonomously, real time, without using ship vessels and an expensive operation away from the coast. Uh, to help them to make better decisions to monitor the farm offshore. Uh, we can uh, generate energy in the Arctic, harvest energy from the air-sea temperature difference, so we can reduce the cost of logistic, deliver diesel to the Arctic, which is very difficult to do. 
Cool. Well, so, you know, so obviously the the ocean environment is notoriously difficult to build for, kind of with lots of different factors in the marine environment um, that potentially conspire to damage or degrade equipment. Um, are there particular things you've had to do in designing the tech in order to account for the harsh environment? And you know, I and I guess uh, have you had to go through many different iterations of it? Of course, uh, for underwater systems, and then, uh, it, as you know, it's a lot of uh, challenging sea state and pressure, and as you go deeper, uh, when you go to the Arctic, you have added um, a complication of uh, you have to have strong enough survive the, the, season, the sea different seasons and the crashing from the ice. The, the freezing cycles. So a lot of the engineering aspect in addition to energy harvesting. What have been some of the, I guess, more difficult challenges as you've been trying to deploy some of these things? Uh, uh, we are harvesting energy from more offshore environments. Of course, it is more uh, difficult to use smaller vessels. So sometimes we pick a, a quiet area like Hawaii to help us of a testing and then uh, experimentation. So we don't have to hire expensive large vessels. We can charter small boats, go to thousands of meters of depth and testing our equipment. So who would be some other ideal customers? I know that you have kind of your initial customers, but like, I guess who would be like sort of like the, you know, if you see like five years from now with C-Track, where, you know, who, who do you see using the tech? There's, um, there are different uh, verticals, uh, market sectors we are uh, exploring. Uh, currently, we try to uh, understand the needs and requirements for offshore farming. Could be a microalgae farm, could be a finfish farms, uh, ranging from uh, autonomous data collection to cleaning and transportation. Uh, as this farm moving offshore, uh, try to understand the oil gas industry as well, Mar maritime transportation, try to help them to reduce the carbon footprint and the routing their vessels, understand different sea state uh, routing their vessels. Uh, emerging market like uh, seafloor uh, mining, try to find a way to remote map the resources without harming the environment. Well, when you say uh, seafloor mapping, do you mean like powering the, I guess, the cameras or whatever the, you know, is doing the mapping or actually like looking for uh, mining resources? We are looking at the powered unmanned systems to provide the mapping, not only the seafloor, but also the resources without physically digging through the seafloor. Wow. Um, so, you know, you mentioned you recently raised a $2 million seed round in the midst of the pandemic, you know, as we're, as, as we're going, all going through this right now, um, the fundraising process like, and was it, you know, I guess, uh, how were you affected by um, kind of being in the middle of COVID in this? It is challenging to raise funds during COVID. Uh, certainly, traditionally, you go to those pitch session, investor days, and those doesn't exist anymore. You have to do in Zooms. Uh, so it's really difficult for the investor to invest in someone without meeting you in person. Very early stage of the COVID, most of the investors saying we never invest anybody we don't meet in person. So that certainly were a change as COVID persists. Uh, eventually we are able to not only uh, raise money from the local investors in Pasadena Angels, but also remote angel groups. Like uh, we met a group of called the Frontier Angels in Montana 
they remotely participate the pitch session. So I pitch remotely to their 50 members. Uh, there are a dozen members form C-Track LLC to participate as a syndicate. Uh, well, we raise money from Blue Angels from Boston. So, uh, so, so most of those remote investors, we only meet in Zoom, certainly uh, take a little bit longer process to go through the due diligence and then remotely. Sure. Um, has the pandemic, I guess, impacted your plans in any, in any other ways? I mean, has it opened up any new opportunities for business or forced you to pivot at all in kind of what you're working on? Well, certainly uh, impact our uh, operation in two, two different ways. And then one is we have a government research, sponsored research, and a hard, we are doing hardware, we do engineering, uh, require physical presence in the lab. It's difficult to do engineering hardware uh, uh, remotely. So that's delayed some of our projects, uh, deliverables. And also our production get delayed because supply chains, our components is delayed ranging from a month to a quarter. So that's delay our production, our shipping to the customers, certainly postpone the revenue uh, for early customers as well. Is there, do you actually sell the hardware? Is that the main kind of thing that you're selling? Yeah, yeah so we, have a, we have a, sorry, we have an early product as a portable energy system you can attach to profiling floats so we have early customers we are making, we delivered uh, the energy system integrated with the existing float provided by another company. And that's usually delayed because of COVID. Without the float, we cannot integrate our energy system. Uh, so we are selling the fully integrated renewable energy power of the float to customers. So, you know, C-Track is part of kind of a wider ecosystem of marine technology. I, you know, where do you see some of the most interesting advances happening right now in blue tech and i guess how much do you interact with other companies in the space or what kind of partnerships have you found valuable yeah blue tech uh, is an emerging space uh, in order to uh, empower the blue economy you need to collect a lot of data so certainly we see a revolution of underwater robotic in the last decades and we are collecting more and more data and i hope that will persist in the coming decades and uh, we are uh, providing a clean energy solution to accelerate that pace of data collection and to help to power the blue economy. Would, would there be any possibility of kind of creating your things like in a major way to, to produce lots of electricity or is it is it mainly like very specific for like a vessel or you know, I mean could you I guess could you harness ocean temp temperature as like a large energy source ultimately with a bigger thing? That's a great question. That's a research R&D effort we are doing, try to scale up our energy production. We are targeting unmanned systems, unmanned sensors in the ocean. Sure. So we are not competing with the great power like solar and wind and waves. Yeah. Uh, this is a very unique space in the interior and we are the only source of energy uh, to provide us unmanned systems. So we have government funded research to scale up our system uh, to be a charging station. For example, we partner with Northrop Grumman for a project to provide uh, energy level order magnitude bigger than we deliver to the profiling float for ocean researchers. And then potentially that can be used for a bigger device and then potentially as a charging station for more power hungry propeller vehicles in the future. I mean, could you potentially like, you know, ha have sort of like a, a battery 
that's sort of lodged in the middle of the ocean that's collecting power all the time and then boats come up and kind of charge up and keep going is that that's sort of the idea yeah we want to be a clean energy solution we want to be battery free uh, we don't pollute the ocean to the ocean, uh, so we can collect enough energy to store them so we can uh, charge the vehicles and then once the battery is depleted, so they can find the next charging station and then swim in to grab kilowatt hours and then go out to do another mission. Cool. Um, well, okay, so, I, you know, I guess more broadly, uh, where do you think Blue Tech will have gotten to by 2030? You know, with tech like yours deployed, do you think we could expect a full mapping of the seafloor at some point in the next decade? Or are there any other, other kind of like big moonshot projects that you think could be worked on using this kind of tech? This is a very exciting decade. And we are about enter the UN declared decade of ocean next year. Uh, we also have a seabed 2030, want to improve our seafloor mapping capability in the next decades. Uh, we see the expansion of the Argo float network to go beyond temperature salinity measurement to include the chemistry, biology, and then to make the profiling flow go deeper to cover the entire three-dimensional ocean. So if I look for the next decade by 2030, we will have a, a dramatic increase of ocean data ac accessible real time to our smartphones to help people to make better decisions. Thank you for listening to the Blue Economy podcast presented by Rhode Island, the ocean state. And thank you to Dr. Yi Chow with SeaTrek for joining us. We hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review our program on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you want to learn more, just head to our website at www.blueeconomypodcast.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. From beautiful Providence, Rhode Island, I'm David Hirschman. Thanks for listening.